Donald Trump announced his 2024 presidential campaign on November 15th, which is something that I did not think that he would do. But I still maintain that I was right. He shouldn't have. I'm Dr. Nolte, and this is Blind Politics. Welcome, podcast listeners, to another episode of Blind Politics with Dr. Nolte. I am Dr. A.J. Nolte, Assistant Professor of Government at Regent University's Robertson School of Government. Once again, as always, views expressed in this podcast do not represent those of either Regent University or the Robertson School. Please remember you can rate and subscribe on your favorite podcast provider, and hopefully we'll be doing some more video podcasts on American One fairly soon. But things keep happening, and uh, sometimes when you're wrong about something, you got to take the L. So back in... About a year ago, I made the bold prediction that Donald Trump would not run for president, and I was wrong. Uh, it was a minority view at the time, but as they sometimes say in the NFL scouting field, I'm going to argue for a good process on my part, but not necessarily the outcome that I was expecting, right? We have to make a distinction between the process and the outcome, and I would say my process, the logic, was pretty strong. I said that the risk was too high for Trump, that there was no risk if he didn't run, he could play the kingmaker, he could stay relevant, but the risk of the possibility of losing, the possibility of him being seen as a fading asset over time was too high, and so the, the rational calculation was that he should not run. So why did I get the, the answer wrong? Because I was operating under the belief that Trump would rationally calculate the risks, that Trump hated to lose, and that his hatred of losing would be the strongest motivating factor. That's what I got wrong. What I underestimated is his desire to be at the center of the conversation, at the center of attention, and the degree to which he would rather lose than fade away, or he would rather lose than pass the torch. Okay? I maintain that everything that I said about Trump, the, the, the rational calculation for why Trump st shouldn't run is still true. His advantage is gone. His advantage is gone. Donald Trump is not the front runner today. I know that he's the only announced candidate, but if you look at the numbers, right, there have been six polls of early states, actually more like seven or eight now that I'm counting this, right, that have come out since the election. We've had polls in Georgia, Florida, Texas, Iowa, New Hampshire, and Nevada. 2024, Trump versus DeSantis. Donald Trump has not led in a single poll. The highest percentage of the vote he got was 43% in Nevada. Ron DeSantis is above 50% in a majority of those polls. And in the majority of those polls, Donald Trump's average is below 35%. You can't call somebody the front runner if they're losing a head-to-head -head like that. Exit poll data also just dropped for the 2022 elections. And that exit poll data says that for voters for whom Donald Trump uh, vote in support or opposed to Donald Trump was their main factor, those voters broke for Democrats by 59%, and voters for whom Trump was not a factor in their vote broke for Republicans by 58%. Okay, So if you cared about Donald Trump, there's a 59% chance that you were voting for Democrats in this election. And if you didn't care about Donald Trump, if you're motivated by other things, there's a 58% chance you're voting for Republicans. Absent Donald Trump, what this tells me is that Republicans would have won 
an outright majority of voters in all of these races, and we would have seen the red wave, perhaps even the red tsunami that everyone was predicting. Nate Cohn, who is a data analyst, he's one of the one of the pretty he's a pretty solid data analyst, is now projecting that Donald Trump was a net negative of about five percent for GOP candidates that he endorsed, which is something that I figured out, but just based on sort of back of the envelope math, on uh, not being a math guy in my most recent podcast. Okay, so what this what this says is Trump is incredibly unpopular with the general electorate. His appeal to Republican primary voters is fading. His announcement is not generating the kind of buzz that everybody thought he, it would. And even some of his closest allies are, are saying, we really think that Trump should have waited until after the Georgia Senate runoff. And that's the reason for it. It's risky for him to run at all. But the highest risk for him announcing is right now. Right now, when he's at his lowest, when Ron DeSantis is the toast of the town in, in GOP circles, when there is a, a runoff, that is to come for Georgia Senate, which if Trump wins, won't necessarily uh, change the narrative that he's, he's costing a seat. It may, to some degree, it would mitigate that narrative. And he would certainly, I think if, if, if Herschel Walker wins, uh, he would push hard to say that this mitigates the narrative. He will claim credit for it to an intense degree. But if Herschel Walker loses, now that Trump has announced, the narrative that everybody's going to go with is, Trump is the reason that Walker lost. Trump's announcement, Trump sucking up the oxygen in the room, Trump mobilizing and, and, and energizing that Democratic base for a low turnout runoff election is the reason Herschel Walker lost. And that is devastating for Trump because it will confirm all of the negatives and all of the narrative that's out there right now. Okay? So what I'm telling you is I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm seeing this as a political miscalculation. As the risk-reward calculus is so strongly against Trump announcing his run right now that we have to call this a mistake. I stand by my analysis that he shouldn't run at all, that it's, it's a, it is a mistake, uh, that the risk is too high, the chance of reward is too low. I mean, my goodness, you look at those elections, it is very hard to see Trump winning the presidency without Pennsylvania, Arizona, Nevada, Wisconsin, Michigan, New Hampshire, all those states that he narrowly lost last time, where he and, and the candidates he endorsed were dragged on the ticket this time. Those swing states and swing districts that Trump's got to win to get to 270 in 2024 are exactly the areas where his endorsed candidates most seriously underperformed. And that is, mind you, with double-digit inflation and Biden's approvals in the tank. So, you know, theoretically, things could get worse for Biden. But the one good thing that Biden's got going for him right now is that the Republicans have taken the House, which limits the ability of Democrats to inflict more wounds upon themselves. Right? The ability of Democrats to engage in sort of self-inflicted wounds has gone down. People tend to like divided government because the government doesn't do things they don't like. And so people actually... Uh, there's some evidence that when there is divided government, the approval rating that people have of the, the party in power uh, and the party in the presidency tends to go up a little bit. Now, if the economy totally crashes in 2023, right, we're still dealing with double digit inflation, recession, all this other stuff. Yeah, that could be a negative for Biden. And it, it, you can, can you see an environment where Trump could win? Yes. But things would have to get a lot worse than they are now. And things are like not super hot right now. 
And Trump was still such a net negative that he cost Republicans significant ground in exactly the states that he has to win in 2024. I think running was a bad decision. I think this was a mistake on Trump's part, a political miscalculation on Trump's part. But I don't think he's calculating right now. I think he is thinking about this from the perspective of an entertainer, not necessarily from the perspective of someone in politics. Okay? From the entertainment perspective, there's no such thing as a bad headline. Right? The worst that can happen to you is that you would be ignored. And even if you're flaming out and you're doing it publicly, you're doing it in a way where you still get the attention. That's not necessarily the case in politics. At a certain point, people want politics to be boring. The irony is, if you watch Trump's speech, I think he's going, I think he gets that to a certain extent. He's going for it. He's trying to make the pitch that he's sort of the sober, serious minded alternative who's going to present alternative policies. But Trump is like really not good at that. It, it, can, it comes across as sort of listless, low energy, like he's reading a teleprompter. Because what he likes to do is pick fights with people and get mad at people and, you know, call, say, Glenn Youngkin, his name sounds Chinese, and call Ron DeSantis, Ron DeSanctimonious, and pick fights with people that are supposed to be on his side so that he can sort of do the whole dominance thing. But that is absolutely not what people want in politics, right? And so the problem is people have seen this movie before, and people, they're not buying it. They don't like it. So what's Trump going to do? I don't know. But I do think that this was a mistake and was a political miscalculation. Now, why did he make it? It's got to be for personal reasons. Some people are saying, well, he's thinking he's going to get indicted and this will protect him. I don't think that's it. I think it's more basic than that. Donald Trump can't stand not being the center of attention. He's absolutely dominated political headlines since he walked down that escalator in 2015. And he is terrified that Ron DeSantis or Glenn Youngkin or somebody else and those are the two that worry him the most, are going to become the new leader and that he will be eclipsed, that he will be fading. Okay? This is not the maneuver of a political figure who's trying to resurrect his political career. This is the maneuver of a celebrity who is past his prime, who's worried about a new famous person coming up and taking his market share, who is doing anything he possibly can to make sure that he keeps the audience focused on him and not on somebody else. It is the ultimate weakness of the politics as entertainment approach. Because at a certain point, people want to make sure that the trash gets collected and that there's basic competence in government. And that's never going to be Trump's pitch. That wasn't his pitch before. It's never been his pitch. It's not his thing. He does not particularly like that. It's not his happy place. And he's not going to stay there a minute longer than he has to. I would expect shortly after this speech, which was him attempting to be that more, you know, focused, focused on the stuff that people wanted to focus on. He's going to, he's going to try to lash out and do something that's the super dramatic thing where he, you know, he, he'll pivot for a minute and then he goes back to his happy place. And I think that's, that's where he's going to go next. And it just doesn't seem like right now it's going to work. Things could change. Things could always change, but I'm not seeing this as a redux of 2015. I'm seeing this as a rerun. You know, that analogy has been used by, by a couple of people today. And of course, nothing is ever as, as popular in reruns as it is when you see it the first time. All right. It's going to be a wrap for this quick episode. My quick take, all eyes are on Georgia. 
And so Trump's campaign's Waterloo is going to happen really fast. If you are Donald Trump, you have got to find a way to get Herschel Walker across the line. That doesn't right the ship and fix all the problems, but it allows you to live to, live to fight another day. If Trump can be seen as being responsible for Herschel Walker losing the runoff, that is going to be a huge problem given what just happened last Tuesday. All right, so that's going to be a wrap. Please remember to rate and subscribe on your favorite podcast provider. And uh, for Blind Politics, this is Dr. Nolte, signing off. Mm-hmm.